everyone, George Soto here, and you're watching Startups Unedited. Today, I'm joined by Ross Rich, who's co-founder and CEO at Accord, who's doing some really amazing things in the sales tech space. How are you, man? How's it going? Thanks for your time. I'm doing well, yeah, and really nice to meet you. And um, I'm actually joined by, um, you can hear my puppy in the background with a really annoying squeaky toy I might have to grab. So uh, yeah, <laughs> really nice, yeah, really nice to, uh, to connect and excited to, to chat this morning. Absolutely. Well, I have a similar situation here. Um, you might hear the footsteps of my two-and-a-half-old uh, long-haired uh, doxy, right? Oh, Arthur, who's super cool, and he keeps me company throughout the day. Of course, I spend most of my time cleaning up after him. I don't know if you can relate, but it's like unbelievable. How is it that something that small can provide so much, uh, you know, uh, output, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a big burn, burn a doodle here. So Bernie's Mountain Dog mixed with the poodle, and yeah, totally know what you mean. Nice. Well, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your career background and, you know, how'd you get into startups? Yes. Uh, you know, I think a very random background when I kind of compare myself to some colleagues and other folks um, that are on this journey. Um, I actually started out in the music industry before um, getting into technology at Stripe and then now Accord. Um, yeah, my first internship and then job was actually at Columbia Records, first in LA and then New York. Um, you know, helping manage artists and, and, and coordinate album releases and song releases and tours and events and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, through through that experience, kind of led me to uh, to San Francisco and and yeah, to uh, to Stripe and Accord. So, kind of a, a random path there. And what was that journey like, going from a large, you know, I don't want to say old school because I think the music. No, it is. No, it there. is. Yeah, I think I think uh, I was surprised by the fact that it is so old school. So you're you're totally right there. And what, what was that like going from that environment to Stripe, which is really like, thanks to Stripe, we have some of the most innovative companies even being possible, right? To now being the founder and CEO of your own innovative tech company. Totally. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so really started in my path in, in the music experience and entrepreneurship actually started in college with my brother. So, and we co-founded Accord as well. So in college, we actually started um, a company that put on events, brought in artists, managed artists, all that kind of stuff, and actually did a little performing ourselves, but that's for, that's for another episode maybe. Um, and that was really fun because it was like, you know, kind of envision what that evening could be, what that concert could look like, what that event, et cetera. And you, you know, you see it to fruition and you, you kind of put it together and it was very creative. It was very fun. Did it with our friends, et cetera. And I was really looking for that experience in the music world, you know, and I thought that's what Columbia Records was going to be like. I thought it was going to be this super creative place and we we're going to brainstorm, hey, what's the feeling of this record? What's this artist brand like? How are we going to put this out in a really unique way? And honestly, it was very much like copy paste. Okay, we did this last time for this person. Okay, run the same ads, do, you know, work with the same people. And there wasn't that passion. There wasn't that creativity. It felt very much like, you know, big business, which was super surprising and disappointing. So kind of held it out for a year, learned a ton about just, you know, working in the real world and with people and challenging personalities and, and all the, you know, stuff you could imagine that was uh, involved in the entertainment industry. And then, yeah, I was really looking, um, you know, to be honest, I was actually looking to go to law school and become an artist manager myself and kind of go back to that, you know, working really closely early stage with an artist, which was the product or service versus technology. Um, which led me to, you know, took my LSATs, applied to law schools. And I basically had like 10 months to kill before 
the start of the semester of law school. So I ended up in San Francisco, applied to about 40 different technology companies as like, you know, one of the first sales reps. I was like, okay, we're going to go early. It'll be that creative part. How can I help in a technology company? It's definitely not going to be through engineering or product. You know, how can I, you know, use the skills that I've learned? And somehow I got a job at Stripe as one of their first general business hires. Not bad. And not bad at all. Right? Yeah. And I think one of the big lessons there was there's zero chance I would have got that job unless I did the 50 recruiter screens the month before and the 10 on sites when I moved there without a job the week or two before. And that was luckily the last one that I had to do. So I feel like I'd really refined kind of the pitch, the story all of those things to get that job. And it was just a no brainer when I talked to the people there, just leaving, you're leaving what company and your role is this to do this. And it was just like, I need to be around these people and just, you know, within weeks fell in love with it. And, you know, that's where I was the last, you know, four and a half years before spending, yeah, the time building out a cord. So that was kind of the circuitous path to, uh, to getting into technology from the music industry. That's awesome. I remember when Stripe first started and they sort of started, around the same time I believe that like Postmates and we were doing some other startup in the ad tech space and what they've been able to do is absolutely fantastic I think they actually did power payments for Postmates and yep. many other uh, organizations so that's awesome I think we actually did a I used to do like these sales for startups events years ago and I think we, we may have done an event there so now that I'm thinking about shout out to Christina Cordova who uh I was over there for quite a while and did a bunch of you know, cool things. You know, what advice would you give folks who are looking to get into technology mm -hmm. at a startup like uh, Stripe, uh, if they're lucky, um, you know, it, around making that transition and then nailing it because you were able to yeah. do it pretty successfully, right? Totally. Uh, that's a really good question. I would say, I mean, there's one part that's just going to be luck, right? Not every company you're going to join. I'm not going to, you know, stand here and say, you know, I did all the research and I looked at the macro trends and then within the environment, I wanted FinTech and then this thing in API first, there's like, you know, a lot of it, I would say in my gut and kind of what I've learned from the last, you know, years of my career is it's all about the people, right? Like you're going to interview with a group of people and it's going to be very obvious that that company that's going to be hyper successful is going to be with the people they brought on those people that are just a cut above the rest. And that's kind of how I made my decision at the end. So in terms of like picking the one, but for that journey, and I can only share what worked for me was, you know, having those hundred conversations. And then for me, that's where everything starts. I know everyone else has their own, you know, kind of personal superpowers and all that kind of stuff. For me, it's, I really enjoy getting in front of people, you know, having all those conversations and seeing what really works. And, and yeah, again, refining your pitch, your story, what you're uniquely going to bring to the company. Um, and, and I would say, yeah, that's the only way, you know, just through the repetitions. And maybe that's just because, you know, come from a sales background, but I was actually just mentoring um, a guy who just got an awesome job is kind of changing his career path a bit. And it took about six, six, seven months. And it was just, you know, he had a million conversations and there's zero chance he would have got the last two job offers he got without all of that work before. So I'd say, if you really want it, you know, go out and, and learn and, you know, really put yourself in it and, and get out there. So uh, you know, that's what worked for me. And that's what worked for some others that I've talked to. So, you know, there's no, there's no real shortcuts unless you, unless you get super lucky and you don't want to just kind of cross your fingers. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Really put your heart out there and do it. Yeah. I didn't have a traditional sort of path either uh, in that uh, a lot of the folks that I've worked with for, you know, the last 20 years have been these like Harvard grads and MIT and Stanford engineers and stuff. And, you know, which I have a lot of respect for. I think 
that if I was to do it over again, I probably would have cared more about school instead of goofing off, uh, uh, you know, running around the streets, uh, you know, and whatever I was doing in high school. But, uh, but yeah, I totally get it. And my, my path was a little different. And I felt like I was also in Florida, you know, at that time, although Miami now is sort of like, I don't know, somewhat emerging. Happening. It, it yeah. looks like it. It looks like it. We'll see. We'll see if it, you know, if it's still like this two years from now, three years from now, then, then I'll buy it completely. Although I'm in Miami now after spending uh, quite a long time in the Bay Area, New York and stuff. So, you know, it would be, a, a, there'd be value for sure for me personally, if, if that was the case. But, hmm. you know, so I totally get it. Let's talk about being a startup founder and that journey, because first of all, as I looked at your LinkedIn, you know, uh, when I was uh, keeping an eye on uh, the new technologies coming out, which I absolutely love what you're doing. And I'd love to dig in a bit deep there in a second, okay. but you know, that, that you've, you've been entrepreneurial. Like it's no shock to me that you now are doing this startup, which I think is going to be incredibly uh, meaningful for our space. And, you know, and, uh, and so you've been doing this for a long time. And so I, you know, my, my sort of like, question to you is like did you like at some point in your life let's say you were in high school or middle school did you sit there and go you know what like there's no way that I'm going to be able to like work in a corporate job forever like I need to be fully expressed and I think entrepreneurship at least for me has always been and there's some exceptions like I'm at reprise now I'm mm -hmm. not the founder but I'm feeling very fully expressed or creative but generally mm -hmm. speaking like you were talking about working at uh in the music industry you know that old school industry I, you didn't feel that and i i can kind of uh definitely relate so did you have that moment early on where you like i'm just an entrepreneur you know how did you kind of know that that was going to be your path yeah that's a great question honestly i don't think there was that 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 moment or even when i was yeah before starting a core that it was a for sure thing I think, you know, I had even before kind of the opportunity of my brother and I starting that company in college, I think seeing my dad as an entrepreneur, both of my grandparents, just seeing that path and, you know, super challenging, but I think very rewarding and that personality that they had that, that I think my brother and I have, um, you know, exposed us to that. It wasn't like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And like, this is my, and everything I'm going to do and the networking, like none of that stuff. It was very similar to you, like in school we put on events and performed, did all this stuff instead of, you know, focused on that. And, you know, we didn't go to a Stanford, Harvard, Yale, et cetera. We went to this random school in Canada. Um, and, and then, yeah, I joined Columbia records, a big company. So it wasn't just like, Hey, I'm going to learn all the things and make all the connections to start my own company. I think I really just followed where my interests were and passions. And it was funny cause I was leaving Stripe and I remember, you know, on my last day I was talking to one of the sales leaders and you know kind of asking for advice and it was funny because she was like you know what i'm not surprised I remember one of the first times we talked you said that you were always interested in you know maybe doing something yourself and i like totally forgot about that so i think it was something like subconscious it's like trying to pick up these things and and um yeah but being a startup founder very different than the than, than you know the event stuff in college and managing artists and all that kind of stuff i think the pressure is super real and not necessarily from like you know, investors, you need to grow X amount and blah, blah, blah. Like it's not externally. I think it's very internally of feeling the responsibility for the team that you brought on, you know, made 
promises, not in terms of like, Hey, this is going to be the exact outcome, but like, you know, this thing's real and we're going to be successful together. And that weight of like every decision, even if you're not responsible from like, you know, a random engineering decision or marketing, whatever it is, you feel like that weight of like, this needs to be the right one. And you know, you're not, you're not calling every shot, but you still feel that responsibility at the end of the day. So I think that's been actually one of the more surprising things, you know, you know, it's going to be hard, but the reality of it, you know, going to bed, thinking about that thing, waking up is like, Oh shit. I didn't realize it was going to really consume me because I, I do do a lot of work in terms of being balanced, you know, yoga, meditation, all that kind of stuff, mindfulness, but it kind of, you know, it's even harder to stay balanced when you feel that, that responsibility. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I speak about mindfulness and yoga and meditation. Yeah, see the chakras <clears throat> in the background there. I love that. Yeah, yeah. actually, I, I have my, but uh, this is like my meditation area. Although right now it's really the bathroom for my puppy. Oh, well, the, whole, oh, no. the whole place is, yeah. <laughs> so I've had to like pick my carpets up and stuff. But anyways, I love Arthur. I'll, uh, I'll show you him in a second if he's around. I don't know where he's, what he's up to now. But yeah, no, I, I totally get it. I think like meditation, prayer, you know, some sort of internal spiritual practice, whatever that might be for mm -hmm. folks out there is incredibly important. We talk about this all the time, just amongst friends. And that's like the advice. I remember someone recently asked me uh, first uh, some advice uh, as a founder to be successful. I was like, well, you know, I wouldn't consider what I've achieved as a founder successful. Um, but then again, I, I don't know, unless, you know, for Silicon Valley standards, unless you have like a billion dollar IPO or some kind Depends of what success IPO. means to you. Yeah. I don't think personally, I don't think success is, is, is that type of outcome, but even for me, it's just doing it period. Yeah. Yeah. There was a quote by uh, Bob Marley that, uh, you know, they, I forgot exactly what it was, but it was around like, well, how do you define success? He felt like success was just like experiencing life, right? And uh, the money, because they were asking him, that's what it was. They were asking him how much money he'd made and all this stuff throughout the music. And he, it was like, he, they were asking him some weird question. He was just like, I don't even know. I don't even care about the money. That doesn't even matter. So like, I, I totally get it. And I think as, as you go on in your journey, you realize, well, if I'm focused on trying to become the next billionaire, you know, it's going to be a long, very painful road because most of these things uh, are don't work. And when they do, it's still a very long journey. It's, out of, so, it's not all in your control as much as yeah. we like to think it is. Yeah. What would you say is the journey from like, you know, idea to seed now? You've been in that the last, you know, uh, what would you say, like two years or so? Uh, about a year and a half now. Yeah, I left my job at Stripe the end of yeah. 2019. Um, um, yeah, I really enjoyed, I mean, it's so funny because it's like the hindsight is 2020 and you know, you look back and it's like, Oh, that was so cool. But like when you're in it, you're not aware and it's like all just really hard. And you're kind of like, at least for myself as a first time founder, it's like kind of grasping, like, you know, what do you do? Like half of the time and I talk about this a lot with some of my, some of my mentors that are helping me through this journey is, you know, I feel like half of my time is figuring out what to do next. Like, I don't know that roadmap or that path as well as some other people. So it's like, okay, half the time I'm figuring out what to do, which is hard enough. And then the other half is trying to do it at this, like what we call like 10 out of 10 level. So it's like tough. I'm like, I feel like I have half the time to do it at this level of execution, but that's the bar. And that's what we need to do it at to be successful. Uh, so yeah, that, that kind of, you know, 
is, is an interesting, you know, lens and, and maybe it's true to everyone. Maybe that's like, you know, even if you've done it before, everything's a bit different, but that path, um, yeah, is filled with, you know, advice. I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, we're here now and, and, and the product is where it is and, and the company and employees, um, that we put together is, you know, we've been very open to working with and collaborating with people that have kind of, you know, done this before and can help. Obviously it's, you know, unique to each company and each market and each person, but, um, you know, spend a good amount of my week talking to trusted advisors and mentors and even just other founders that are similar stages or folks like yourself. And, you know, you pick up something in every conversation. It's this mix of like being so sure about what you're doing and your thing in the market, but also being open to, you know, the learnings from other people. So that's kind of been, been a lot of the path so far. Awesome. Yeah. To your point, like even if you have done it before, I feel like there are probably fundamental sort of pillars of, of items that you need to check and you kind of learn over time or you'll see over and over again. But I think that my experience has been that they show up differently mm. right? each time, yeah. like team, if you have a, you know, not, not a great team, whatever that looks like, you know, you, it's going to be tough, right. To, to get through yeah. these through any period of or stage of the business, but certainly at that early level or that early stage, but it'll show up differently. Like I, when I first started, I didn't have, I'm not, I'm non-technical, right. So I can't actually build anything. I used to always have to recruit a technical co-founder mm -hmm. and uh, early on, I used to just hire and outsource the software development. I realized mm. very quickly that that's, yeah. a, that's a quick way to run out of cash and uh, build the wrong thing, right? Um, and yep. so software is never done is kind of what I came up with. So then the next venture was like, okay, well, I got to get a technical co-founder. And then it was like, okay, I convinced this person, but then they quit in two months because they weren't really excited about the idea. Yeah, that, they got to be hard. as into it as you. And that's tough if you're the one that's, you know, kind of driving it. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it shows up in different ways, right? Let's, uh, let's chat briefly about like your Y Combinator. Everyone's excited about Y Combinator. Everyone wants to get in. Congratulations. Why is it so effective? And what was that experience like these days? Yeah, I think, you know, in a similar vein to what we were just talking about of, you know, people have seen it and it's helpful to have that framework, but it shows up differently. I think that's really a lot of the value of why commoners they're really focused. You know, there's, you know, you talked about investing at the beginning and like there's people that invest in series D companies and a, in the same firms. It's like, well, they focus on a particular point of a company where you're going from a couple passionate, talented founders to an idea and building out that initial team and finding that initial traction, just the seed of a company. Um, and I think that's why they're really successful. I think they doubled, triple, quadrupled down on that and have seen just so many companies and seen the classic mistakes that they've made. And I love the way I, you know, kind of from a business and in our perspective, like simplification. And I love the way that they simplify everything. You know, you see kind of the core of it in Paul Graham's essays and it's not fancy advice. It's just reminding you and it's helpful. And I think people, you know, other investors or other programs might try to get too complicated, right? Like we're talking about CAC and LTV. It's just like, just do these things, grow X percent per week everything is going to guide you to these simple things that they tell you to do. And, and that's what I think is a lot of the value of Y Combinator outside of the network, outside of the stamp of approval, you know, the fact that you're picked out of all these companies. So it really helps I think the market figure out because there's a billion startups, you know, who uh, might be the next ones to come out. Um, 
but yeah, I love the simplification of their advice and, and just through the number of times that they've seen companies make the same mistake over and over again. Well, speaking of the next breakout companies, let's talk about Accord here. What are y'all folks doing and what are you solving? Yeah. So at its core, we're trying to make sales suck a lot less for both the buyer and the seller. And I think that's what we're uniquely focused on is not just, hey, another tool for the sales rep and sales team, but actually thinking through it the lens from a buyer's perspective. So what that means in terms of a product is a customer collaboration platform built for B2B sales onboarding and success where you can actually share from initial conversations, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Buyer, this is what the engagement usually looks like, right? You don't have to wait for that next demo or going through the sales process. Like, you know, this is what it looks like typically to evaluate, to validate, to onboard and be successful on our platform. These are all the resources we're gonna go through. These are the team members on each side that are gonna be after looped in. And this is how we think about building a business case for you and really doing that from day one, instead of just when you're trying to get a deal signed from a CFO or instead of, you know, when you're trying to, you know, complete a successful POC. It's like, you know, from day one, and what we say is, you know, we're trying to help B2B sales move from vendorship to partnership. So nice. truly partnering with that buyer, being that consultant, being that expert. And it's really a, a tool for buyers that happens to come from the sales end of things because they know that process they need to partner there. So that's kind of, uh, you know, what we're building, the problems we're trying to solve and, um, you know, really excited, especially after kind of our launched an announcement a couple months ago, just seeing how passionate other sales professionals and buyers are about this transition. I think, you know, timing wise, post COVID remote world and just kind of how sick of, I think the world of, of automation and impersonality and, you know, you know, the classic meme around forceful salespeople, like there's this big swing to the other side, especially since, you know, it's monthly payments and SaaS instead of just you install this thing and you can't switch. I think the world, you know, you know, people are asking for this and, um, yeah, excited to hopefully contribute to that shift from, you know, vendorship to partnership. Awesome. Any like trends or anything you've changed that you've seen change rather in the last couple of years? Yeah, I think that there's some early companies in the sales technology space that really opened it up for companies like Accord and Reprise. Um, you know, outreach, sales loft, gong more recently. It's like, I think we all knew that there's tools that were going to be very helpful to increasing revenue, to creating a repeatable sales process, to making it more of a buyer-friendly experience. And I think they really were at the forefront of proving from an ROI perspective that people can adopt these tools for sales reps and sales organizations, which makes it easier when we come in and have these conversations versus being the first people outside of Salesforce, which is more of, you know, kind of back end. Um, to help customers. So shout out cool. to those companies that did the hard shout work. Out to the hard. <laughs> well, Ross, yeah. thank you so, so much for your time. Uh, I, uh, I hope to meet you in person soon and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Take it easy, man. Bye.